This Rock Talk podcast recording is an interview and opinion product that is the property of rocksubculture.com, all rights reserved. Rocksubculture.com is not responsible for any statements or opinions expressed by the guests of this program. Welcome to Rock Talk, the official podcast for rocksubculture.com. Each podcast features interviews with special guests to discuss all aspects of popular music. Rocksubculture.com travels the globe to experience, review, and archive live concert events. Interview those involved in producing and performing a variety of genres of popular rock music as well as find and learn about related studio and stage-use artifacts and memorabilia. Now, let's join our host, Jason DeBoard. So today I've got Ted Ottaviano from Book of Love um, here to talk to us about some... Uh, upcoming events and news and um welcome and thanks for talking to me today hi jason (laughs) thanks for your time sure no problem so why don't we first start um and talk about the show that's coming up in san francisco at the dna lounge in a couple weeks Right, yeah, like we're we're basically we've been out like sort of touring like uh, our thirtieth anniversary kind of collection. I mean, w- which sort of came out the summer of last year, and um, it's been basically Susan and I doing shows because the full band isn't really available to do that sort of thing. But the but we did have one reunion show that sort of kicked everything off last summer in New York. And it was just a special night. I mean, because basically when the four of us are together, it's still kind of like the magic that, that sort of, you know, that reminds us of that moment that we created. And so we decided that we wanted to at least do it a couple more times. So we chose two home away from homes. Like, and San Francisco is always like a really important city to us. And um, in Houston, Texas as well, which we've had this really amazing amount of radio support down there over the years, which is kind of peculiar, but we love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we have two more reunion shows with, the, with all four of us, and that's happening in the next couple of weeks. And so we'll be at the DNA Lounge in San Francisco on February 19th, that's Sunday, which is a three-day weekend, so everybody can just go out and party a little later on Sunday. It's going to be no problem. And um, we're, we're really looking forward to it. It gives us the uh, opportunity to sort of just take out some songs that we haven't really performed in many years, you know, like uh, besides, you know, the, uh, the ones that you would expect to right, hear. right. And then um, you have a new song, All Girl Band. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, we ended up doing a couple of new tracks for this compilation, which came out on, on Sire, Rhino, Warner Brothers. Um, 
last year. Uh, and what they did is that they took our most well-known tracks and we were able to remaster them and polish them up. And then we, we worked on two new songs, which we recorded for the most part in my studio out in Brooklyn, New York. And um, one, one is called All Girl Band, which is basically, it's almost just a, like just a real sort of two and a half minute stomper, just real sort of just fun right. song that kind of um, uh, harkens back to almost our early days of club going before we started a band and sort of just is a way for us to kind of almost name check <laughs> some of like some of the uh, all girl bands from the post punk era that really inspired us with their grit and sort of just do it yourself, you know, uh, simple and direct, you know, songwriting and 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 performances that we love so much. And then, so what was the process of remastering the older oh, material? So- yeah, it's really, that's a great question. It's a really cool process because, I mean, obviously, everybody who's been listening to music for quite a while, or even like, I mean, I even just know even new music listeners, like, you know, everyone's got a uh, an interest in kind of vintage and archived music now. So you'll really notice that if you listen to a track from the 70s or the 60s or the 80s, our era, that sometimes it can sound different in EQ and volume uh-huh. from, I, I, I mean, sometimes I go to the gym and I'll listen to music and I'll be blasted away by a new song <laughs> and then right. all of a sudden I'll go to a Cat Stevens song and it feels like I, I can't get the volume. And um, it's really just because over the years technology has changed and, and as a result, like, you know, the, the, way, the, the way that music responds in the digital era is different than it did on, in the analog era. So they're constantly updating these digital procedures that kind of go ahead and sort of, you know, almost like buff and polish mm-hmm. music that have been mastered in previous you know, periods like with today's technology and our stuff for the most part hadn't really been remastered. Some of it was, was remastered in the late nineties when we had one best of compilation came out, but, but most of it hadn't really been remastered since the eighties. So like, you know, we really were looking forward to going back into the studio and kind of giving it like that kind of, you know, polish and they sound great. I mean, the, 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 um, I mean, the whole goal is to sort of bring them up to a new standard, but not lose, um, you know, the, the feel and the vibe that right. people originally like. And it's easier said than done because everything today is just almost like, like it's like a, what they call a brick wall. It's just like a flat, like, <laughs> blast of sound right you know in your ears um so we were able to do that to i think there's like a total of eight seven no 19 tracks on that collection yeah and so last year was officially your 30th anniversary in 2016 yeah it was there it was really the anniversary of um of our first album and like we've it's actually like you know when you start counting like when we first got together which was actually a a trio and then lauren joined the band you know there's like 
there's a few different 30th anniversaries, right. but the the one that kind of really kind of kicks off what people expect from Book of Love is really the the uh, release of our first album, which was which was 1986. Okay, and so you mentioned um, post punk and in relation to the all girl band song. So I'm always interested to talk to people that were part of this music scene because sort of the definition of new wave is so hazy. It seems to be something different in the UK versus the US. And <laughs> it, I was sort of interested to hear your take like on what sort of falls under the umbrella of new wave and kind of your thoughts on that. Um, well, I mean, that's a great question. It's like, you know, first off, I think, I mean, technically it's almost, was on the heels of the punk revolution and it was, it almost responded to like songs that kind of had the a punk ethic to it, but they were more pop records as opposed to these thrashing, right. you know, and, and then I think funny enough, the term got coined by Seymour Stein, which, who was the president. And I still think he is of like our label, Sire Records, right, like right. throughout the, throughout the years. And um, it was taken from like you know um, French the French film uh, uh, Nouvelle Vague. I, I, I can't speak French, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like in the late fifties and sixties. So I mean that's so obviously like there's like specifics to it, but like in a weird way it was just kind of like for for Book of Love and for when I think of it I think of it as a um, sensibility mm -hmm. like a new way of hearing a new way of kind of 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 actually reacting against the music that was happening at that time which for the most part were kind of like 70s rock and album rock right. like um like staples and things things that in a weird way all hold hands together in hindsight you know right. what i mean it's like i mean i i there was probably a time that I probably did put down my Fleetwood Mac records for a few years because I was only listening to New Wave. Now, God forbid, you know, I would even think of that, you know. Right. <laughs> but um, but I mean, I I think of Blondie. I think of the B52s, which are one of the most underrated, you yeah, know, bands. And yeah. you know, it's like people see them as a fun party band, but but obviously they are. But so much more, yeah. you know, in terms of just how smart their musical and lyric decisions were and kind of, you know, I mean, these, these were basically the, our modern masters that kind of, you know, spoke to us and kind of made us even want to be in a band. Right. So were, were they a big influence for you guys then? The bees? Yeah. Mega for me. I mean, I remember seeing the B-52s like a, a few shows and, um, and, you know, I mean, I love them all. And, like, Kate and Cindy, you know, just were, like, you know, they were just, you know, just, like, like empresses. You know what I mean? <laughs> they were just these, like, you know, the, these musical entities. And I remember seeing them at the Central Park show, I think in 79. It's, like, after they had this first thrust of success with that, with their debut album. And, um... And kind of Kate leaving her keyboard and going center stage to sing 52 Girls oh, with yeah. 
<laughs> with Cindy with a guitar strapped around her neck and still wearing her pocketbook around <laughs> <laughs> her wrist. And I totally was just, I mean, it was, it was like she was a war, like a warrior to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you know that she put all of these things and kind of still, even in music at that time, was kind of almost in a weird way a man's world. You know, uh -huh. so yeah. So I, I kind of I, I love them to death. I still do. Yeah. So what do you have any other early influences before you guys started Book of Love that you were just that kind of inspired you to get into music? Well, you know, I mean, it's like the only reason why I bring this up because everybody, like, everybody brings it up is because this is how mega of an influence he was. But David Bowie was just like, was and is, like, you know, the beginning. And in the beginning, there was David Bowie. <laughs> and, um, and so he he's just kind of has underlined our career like mm -hmm. you know in a strange underscored it throughout like the years you know in, in just numerous ways um but in terms of just the early the the late 70s punk bands that we were really and then you know the post punk bands i mean you know you you name it i mean like from the psychedelic furs to the cure and then all the all-girl band, the post-punk all-girl bands that we loved so much, like the, the Modettes, Delta Five, Lilliput. These are bands that we used to go see in clubs ourselves and really inspired us to kind of make music. And, you know, those, I mean, and there's numerous ones. I mean, in a weird way, we were always really inspired by post-punk music we were we ended up falling into being a keyboard an all synthesizer band mainly because the four of us really got along together musically and all of us just played keyboards <laughs> like right <laughs> it wasn't even it wasn't even like a real political decision so how was it um recording in the studio versus playing live like do you like one or over the other or both or kind of what are your thoughts on that well susan obviously like like really loves the live performances because she can really sort of take what she does to the next level and and you know that sense but i mean when you're when so much of your music is is programmed and made with just technology it's like you know, there it, it always was kind of a different thing to perform it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because there's not, it's 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 actually a very controlled atmosphere that you're making your music in when you're using a lot of synthesizers, especially especially at that point because they were also temperamental. Right. So to to go ahead and um, bring that to the stage, you know, wasn't the easiest thing to do. So I always felt like that the recording studio was really where you know, in terms of making the music like um uh we could really express ourselves and then as a result of live shows we ended up trying to bring something more spontaneous and fun to just kind of experience of us doing it on stage because there was still so much of it was pre-programmed or running via MIDI and, right. and you know, 
everybody, every band that kind of uses that sort of technology has to figure that out. And nowadays, every band uses it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, because I, I always wonder, you know, if it was me, I would be nervous because, you know, if I'm doing photography, I'm up front kind of watching things get set up and put together. And it just seems like there's so many things that can go wrong, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. if, if there's a lot of... Um, electronic and synthesizer and that kind of thing so yeah usually it does too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i won't i won't mention the band but i i saw an 80s band once at a pretty big venue and it was just like one catastrophe after another and it was felt for those guys it was like things were going so wrong that even the roadies were afraid to go up on the stage to fix what was happening. So, Cause I think it would imply some guilt or something if they jumped up there and it's just like, Oh, I feel for these guys. This is terrible. Yeah. No, I mean, we, 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 we had some pretty horrific things happen to us oh, like, really? <laughs> early on, you know, and like also when we did our Depeche Mode tours, we were in front of thousands of people yeah. without like much experience. So we kind of learned yeah. some really hard, hard, hard knock lessons, like very like conspicuously. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you did two full tours with them in the U S right. Yeah. We did the some great reward tour and the black celebration one. Tour in the U.S., we did the European Black Celebration tour with them too. Okay, so that's a lot of shows and some pretty giant crowds. So, yeah, and they kind of their career was just like really um, ascending at that point. So it was like we started out in theaters, and that was mind-boggling to be in front <laughs> of a few thousand people, right. not knowing that by the end of the tour we'd be playing for 10 to 15,000 people, you know, and right. and just being like, it was really almost, it was almost, it, I hate the word, but it was really surreal. It was just kind of like, it, it didn't almost make sense until years later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, met, you know, on that topic, sort of, what was it like working with Flood? He's great. It's just like um, he was just like such. He's such an even-tempered, like kind of, you know, um, mad scientist genius. <laughs> like right. you know what I mean. <laughs> and um, and uh, it's like he really did, like, listen to our ideas and tried to help make them come to life, which is really what on paper you an artist wants in a producer and very rarely gets you know but he really kind of you know there was a few kind of extravagant things that we wanted to try in the studio and he really made them happen i mean we were just like you know from string sections to recording a cathedral organ like you know <laughs> in, in a church like you know to you know a bagpipe player like in the you know just like you know we just had you know, it was just like kind of this laboratory, you know, <laughs> and he and he, and he really kind of had a real sort of control over like a lot of technology that to us was just kind of like, you know, new and scary. You right. know, and, and um, you know, we just knew how to twist dials until something sounded correct, but like 
he could intend, like go over to something with a real intent and kind of um, you, you know really help make it happen. I mean, there's this track called Witchcraft, which is on. Yeah, I love that like, song. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a whimsical track, like uh, on the second album that people kind of surprisingly loved more than we even expected, <laughs> and like. Um, <laughs> which we're doing for the first time <laughs> on stage and, and, uh, oh, awesome. uh, yeah. And, um, and it's got all of these like really weird, quirky little sounds and sound effects. And yeah. he kind of just like made a lot of them, like, you know, on, on like our analog synthesizers, like, you know, and I, I still kind of have those, those sounds and I, it, it's, it's, it gives me such a, this kind of great feeling when I ever, <laughs> I, I turn on that like synthesizer and see that stuff <laughs> yeah it makes me think of bewitched <laughs> well yeah well that good <laughs> then we did our job <laughs> <laughs> so comparing like what you were working with when you were making those albums versus kind of just the amazing technology available today do you think it allowed you to be more creative back then because um i don't know you, you had to sort of do different things to get different sounds. Yeah, that's a, like, yeah, that's, I think, I think the answer is yes. I mean, like, I guess the point you're trying to make is that everything is so kind of just close and play now that yeah. the, the technology is so kind of, you know, you're, you're making records on the same software that you're, you know, your little niece, like your young niece, like, right. you know, Ricky remixing as you speak, you know? And, um, so yeah, I mean, we did have to, well, but the thing that was re to, to get a little geeky, but really like when we started making music, it was on the cusp of the digital technology. Mm -hmm. So, so there were these two mindsets did we want to go over to a synthesizer and make the oscillators like sound like a string sound? Or now we had the ability to go ahead and use a sampler and actually sample a string sound uh -huh. and sort of see, you know, and, and so that was always, I think this, that's what makes our early records like sound the way that they do in a good way is right. that there's this combo of these two things going on at the same time. And, and like, even though most stuff is kind of just using a version of sampling now, all the, you know, all the softwares and everything, like there was a limitation to the technology and the bandwidth of the sample so they always had this kind of like iciness to them that uh -huh. like so you, 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 like we were limited to what was available to us at that time and i think that makes those records like sound the way that they do i mean even when i listen back to, to prince or early depeche mode records they sounded so good at the time but now they almost sound very thin and you know, it's like, cause there wasn't a lot of low end and mm -hmm. sounds yet. Like it, the, you know, the, the techno, you know, the, the, the equipment at that time didn't really make, make that stuff happen yet. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> so are there any new songs, new artists today that you, that you're really fond of? Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, but nothing that I'm totally crazy about. I mean, I hate to say this, but I listen to, like, I've only listened to classical music, right, at the moment at least. Okay. And it's just like, and uh, so I've got, like, playlists of, uh, you know, I love my Tame Impala, you know, you know, I was into Beach House. Like, there's a, there's a lot of, like, alternative pop stuff, like electronic pop stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I listen to. And, I, and, and then I've got playlists of just cherry-picked tracks of different things that sort of, you know, I pull together. But, like, um, you know, I'm just almost, my brain's in a constant music mode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, um, thanks for talking to me today, and I look forward to seeing you in San Francisco on the thanks. 19th. <laughs> yes, we're looking forward to it. Thank you, Jason. All right, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have coming out this year, too. All right, sounds good. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our program, Rock Talk. For the latest gig archives, articles, and features about popular music and concert events around the world, please visit us online at www.rocksubculture.com.